This is the X and Y podcast. My name's Justin and I live in Japan. I'm going to tell you about another incident of uh, sexual harassment accusations and I've already made a podcast about a sexual harassment accusation. You can listen to that if you're interested. So I thought I'd tell you another one. Now, I was working for the same company in Japan. Uh, this happened about 12 years ago. Going from memory, it was 12 years ago. I was 36 years old. And I was working for this chain company of English conversation schools as they translate it from Japanese into English. They translate it as English conversation school. There are loads of English conversation schools in Japan. And there are some major, there are several major companies that have chains right across the country. Most of which, of course, are in the big cities. And I was working mainly in Tokyo and the suburbs and just outside Tokyo. And as I told you before, I may repeat a few things that I said before just to put some perspective on it. The company I worked for when I took issue uh, with management said that uh, the, the phone rings several times every day in head office with complaints from women that they've been sexually harassed and worse, that they've been raped, they've been sexually assaulted and the uh, the management I spoke to said that uh, they take it with a pinch of salt and they tell the the um, the so-called victim to take it up with the police, take uh, to report it to the police, and take it from there, because they know, as they as the manager told me, they know that it's in most cases, in nearly every case, it's a bogus accusation. Uh, however, in some cases, they still take some action just to appease the accuser, especially because they feel that the accuser, which is, uh, as far as I'm aware, are nearly all women. I, um, I've not heard of any cases of men making accusations, but it may happen. Um, so what they do is then they they must be seen to be doing something such as punish the teacher who is inevitably a, ma- a male teacher. And uh, as I told you in the last one, I was simply moved to another branch. So on that particular occasion, it suited me because I was moved to a branch that was a lot nearer to where I lived. And I had been working in one which was very far from where I lived and I had this other trouble where I was genuinely sexually harassed by the woman running the branch. So listen to that podcast if you want more details. So fast forward a bit and um, well ironically the branch that I was moved to um, turned out to uh, also cause me problems. So What happened was I was teaching a group lesson and this was a small group in Japan. If you're not familiar with all this in Japan, when you work for these English conversation schools, you could be 
teaching privately, that's one-to-one -one lessons, uh, private lessons in classrooms within a very small school and it's a very loose interpretation of the word school. It's generally a converted office or even a converted shop space and they're very small rooms. Some of them are like cubicles even, um, but anyway, the you have private lessons, you teach people from all ages, you, you could be teaching babies all the way up to elderly people. And uh, the, the time ranges from where it could be from morning to late evening, depending on the shift and the day of the week. So that's just to give you some background. And as I said, you could be teaching people also of all, not just all ages, but all types, all backgrounds, all walks of life. And uh, so I had this group lesson of four people and two of the people in the group lesson were uh, company employees. One was uh, a middle-aged guy. Uh, one was uh, a woman in her maybe late 20s or early 30s, I forget now. And they both were professional people. And the other two people in the, le in the group lesson were both university students, both 20 years old. Now, they didn't previously know each other before meeting in the group lesson. They went to different universities and they became acquainted. Uh, of course, they, all four members in that group became acquainted However, the two university students, both girls, the two girls, both 20 years old, became acquainted and at some point, it, it became apparent to me later, at some point they had exchanged um, information and they were communicating, which is no problem at all, it's a typical thing to do, and they'd be, they be, basically became friends. So we are having uh, lessons and as I said, group lessons. So it's important to note here that it's a group lesson whereby nobody is alone in the room with me. So that's a very important point to, to, to remember when I tell you this story. So it's impossible to be alone. And also in the actual school, as I said, they're very small places. You, there's, they're really like small office buildings. They don't, they're not very big at all. So there's nowhere where you can go off and like, it, don't think of like uh, a school that you went to when you were a kid that are big buildings with all kinds of places where you could go off and hide. It's nothing like that. It's basically like a small office or even like a converted shop or something. And there's absolutely nowhere where you could go off and hide or be alone or anything like that. That's another point worth noting. There's no outdoor area. There's no like... Um, absolutely nowhere outside you just the, the door is on the street you just walk in off the street and you come into like a reception area and then there might be like a, a connecting corridor to each room and each room will have glass that you can see through into the room um, the room I was teaching in was right opposite the the front entrance door uh, there was a tiny reception area you could hear everything you could hear people coming in and out and at the, in the reception area, there was a desk where the 
Japanese staff, usually they, they, they were staff, uh, school managers, uh, sometimes not a position of management, but um, they were receptionists and the receptionist was also a manager. It was a very small setup. There were no other. So in a very big place, you may have had two members of staff, but in nearly every case, and in also in every case, it was generally a Japanese woman, um, uh, not too young, uh, but she could have been sort of late 20s up to retirement age. Um, but in most cases, I found that nearly all of them were middle-aged women. And um, they worked on reception, they greeted people, they also had to do sales pitches to potential customers and stuff like that. So I'm rambling a bit, but I'm just giving you a background on all this. So, as I said, I'm teaching English in a classroom, quite a small room, I suppose, with four people. And there's a big glass uh, window on the door. You can hear everything. The doors are just very, very thin partition walls. So, after a while, we... uh, I'm not quite sure how it happened, but I realised that the two girls were taking, I suppose, taking an interest in me. Um, I was 36, but I was, you know, at my peak. As I said before, men in their 30s are in their, in the prime of their lives. They are in their peak. They are peak attractive to the opposite sex. So, they took an interest in me, they were very interested in me and um, I could see them sort of a little bit giggly sometimes talking about me and stuff like that. But I mean, I was very professional about it. However, I have to say, uh, I was, of course, um, to a certain extent, interested in 20-year-old women. Now, it should be noted that neither girl was especially attractive or sexy or anything like that. Um, they were both pretty average girls. One was more attractive than the other one. Uh, one of them, I would say, was below average. And one of them was, I would say, above average. Um, but none of them was stunning. And um, I was reasonably indifferent to them. However, and I don't remember exactly how this came about, but uh, we decided one day, we decided we'd, we'd meet. The three of us would meet. And um, I worked in another area. And one of them, or both of them, um, went to university not far from there. So we arranged to go for a drink in a pub. I said I'd, said I'd introduce them to a pub that I knew there. It's like... A, not a Japanese style pub. It's it was it's actually one of these um, pseudo Irish pubs. It was actually run by a Japanese woman, but um, very nice by local standards. Very nice indeed. And um, so we met there. We uh, we went to the pub, and um, it became apparent that the one who, as I said, who was above you know above average uh, in terms of attractiveness it became obvious that she was interested in me and um, she was the one that seemed to be sort of orchestrating things and um, she wanted to meet me, go for a drink with me. Uh, I was interested because I have to say she was, as I said, although 
I said she's above average. She was attractive enough, um, definitely. Uh, as I said, she was above average, and therefore I was interested. And um, she had, uh, you know, there's also beauty in youth. I mean, in, in most cases, to mature men, uh, even if I uh, was only 36, but uh, to a mature man, a 20-year-old is uh, attractive, and the older we get, the more attractive it becomes, I tell you. So, um, I was interested in her. However, I wasn't looking for anything in particular. I was, I was probably would describe myself as an opportunist in regard to women, uh, not a pickup artist or a PUA, whatever you want to say. I've, I would never describe myself as a pickup artist. Um, I would describe myself as an opportunist. If an opportunity, if opportunity knocks, and um, she opens the door and then opens her legs, then uh, yeah, I'll go for it. Um, but in all of these cases, risk assessment is essential. And I think the older you get, perhaps the greater your risk assessment. Certainly when you're younger, risk assessment is not something that you consider when getting involved with women. But you live and learn, and well, you have to learn, that's for sure. And uh, most of us learn the hard way. So, we're in the pub, um, we're having a good time, um, having a few drinks, having a chat. And so I remember now, as I'm telling you the story, because I've not actually told anybody this story since it happened to me 12 years ago, so I'm going from memory. So then I remember that of the two girls, one of them said that she needed to go home and she lived um, back up the train line, a little bit far up the train line, and she needed to go. The other girl, apparently, she was going to stay at her far. Her parents were divorced and her father lived nearby in the town where we're having a drink, where the pub was. I also had to catch a train. Um, on the same line as the girl that went early. However, the girl that went early was going one or two, I think she was going two stops more, and the train, her last train was earlier than my train. So I was able to take a slightly later train. And um, anyway, so the girl that's, that, that, that was, basically the girl that fancied me, was into me, was hoping to, for something to happen she went uh, she went home and I was left alone with this other girl who was her friend now the girl I was left alone with was as I said she was actually below average below par and not my type I didn't really fancy her however 20 years old slim um, you know the good enough uh, when you've had a few drinks. So I did not shake her. I'll get this straight now. I didn't shake her. Um, however, we decided it was time to leave the pub and time to go home. We're walking along and uh, somehow things get a bit uh, frisky. She's holding my hand and then she's, the next thing I know, um, we're, we're snogging, we're kissing and um, fumbling about in the dark. However, that was all that happened. Nothing else happened. I didn't try to shake her. Whether she wanted that or not, 
I don't know. But I needed to go. I, I had to catch a train uh, I needed to go home because if I missed the train, there was no way I was going to be able to get home. And at that time, um, I needed to... I'm trying to think where I was living at that time, but I was still... I was married and I had... My, my wife had a young baby. Um, we had a young baby, but uh, it was already at the stage where I was being you know, neglected by the wife and therefore... When you're neglected by your wife and um, you're a man with raging hormones still, you've got you at the, in the peak of your attractiveness, you've got very, a very strong libido, you're, horm- you're, you're full of testosterone and you're surrounded by nubile women, then um, it stands to reason that you will want to shag away from home. And, you know, as I said, especially if you're not getting any at home, it's going to happen. So I make no excuses. Um, I I don't have any issue at all. I don't have any um, issue with uh, ethics or um, I don't have any scruples about fucking other women if I'm not getting enough on the home front. And that's exactly what was happening. So... I have to say that I wasn't planning, I wasn't imagining that I was going to get involved with any women beyond one night stands or maybe not one night stands, maybe more, but not long term. I wasn't looking for that. I was still hoping things were going to work out long term with my wife and I was going to uh, have a happy family. Uh, My wife was totally unaware of what was going on. Uh, she's never known what was going on. Um, but I think women do guess certain things, um, especially when they know that they're not giving you what you need. I think it's obvious, human nature, that you'll go and look for it elsewhere. And, and a man, if a man isn't getting what he needs from his wife, it's obvious that his wife is going to uh, guess that he's going to look elsewhere. And indeed, I did tell her at times, if I don't get what I need from you, I will go elsewhere. But anyway, that was the end of that. Um, There was no sex. It was just, it was a very, it was just like snogging in the dark and a bit of, um, a bit of touching here and there, you know, and um, that was the end of it. I needed to go. So, I thought that was the end of it. However, it turned out that wasn't the end of it. And of course, something happened between the two girls. So the girl that I was left alone with, she must have told the other girl uh, very soon what had happened and um, after the, she'd left. And basically the other girl must have flown into a jealous rage. And um, the next thing I know is that, I can't remember when it whether it was the next day or the day after, but very soon afterwards, uh, I was contacted by my line manager. And this time was a different line manager to the one that contacted me before because they changed, the line manager had changed. And he wanted to see me um, and... 
he didn't tell me what it was about, but um, the fact that he was going to see me uh, in my workplace before starting work meant that it was something mild, at least mildly serious. And um, basically what had happened is the girl that had gone home early, the one that had fancied me, had made a complaint of sexual harassment against me. And her mother had gone to the school and complained to the school manager, the receptionist, and apparently was very angry and um, very um, aggressive and demanded that I be fired from my job because of the sexual harassment towards her daughter. Of course, there was absolutely no evidence of sexual harassment because it was a lie. Uh, I didn't sexually harass her. Indeed, she was the one that was flirting with me and interested in me, and she was the one that wanted me. And, of course, by by snogging her friend after she'd gone, I then... She saw, obviously she was jealous and um, perhaps she saw it as a rejection. I hadn't, had, I hadn't actually rejected her because I did still think that she was worth, uh, well, I wouldn't say pursuing, but I mean, she was definitely worth a go. I, I'd have uh, definitely had a go with her. And so I was then accused of, again, of sexual harassment. And um, the manager says, well, you know, it's happened before. And, um, you know, like now I've got, uh, there's a pattern emerging, you know, and all that nonsense. Even though they know that it uh, happens all the time, these false accusations. So initially, when he told me there's been an accusation against me, he wouldn't tell me who it was. He just said, there's been an accusation and you need to, we need to move you to another branch. And, of course, I was outraged because this branch was very near to where I lived. And it was, you know, we always worked quite late. So it was a lot better for me living, uh, working. If I had to work late, going home to somewhere that was a lot nearer. So if I was working somewhere a lot nearer to my home, it was a lot better when I'm working late. So I, I was just really pissed off, of course, and I did um, try to do something about it. There's nothing you can do. Uh, you are disposable. You're disposable. You are, you are wrong regardless of the facts. You are wrong regardless of the truth. And these bitches can make false accusations against you and, again, try to ruin your life, try to ruin your job, and um, essentially, I was, ultimately, when my contract came up for renewal, uh, they didn't renew it. They said they weren't going to renew it. And they cited these um, cases of sexual harassment, which were totally bogus, total lies. And, uh, of course, there was no evidence to back them up uh, because I hadn't done anything. So these crazy bitches can make false accusations against you and they'll take the side of these crazy bitches and you, the, uh, I say innocent, not total, I mean, we are innocent of, of the charges against us. However, 
you know, we also are human and want to get involved with women. We want to shag them sometimes. But the fact is, even if you reject them, and even if you don't get that far, so in this, in the case of this, this bitch, I didn't even get anywhere with her. I didn't even, there was no physical contact whatsoever. And it was her friend that had the uh, very, very brief, insignificant physical, well, insignificant to me, physical contact with after a few drinks after the pub in a in a dark alley and um, of course she didn't complain she was happy there was no complaints I don't know whether they fell out or what I don't know what happened uh, anyway I had to move to another branch never saw either of them again except I did about perhaps it's difficult to say, but maybe two or three years later, I was on the train, the same train line I mentioned before, and I was as I was sitting there, oh, I sat down, not sure whether I sat down first, or I suddenly realised that the person sitting opposite me was her, the one that had made the false accusation. It didn't click at first, because she changed. And... She'd obviously graduated from university and was now what they call in Japan an OL, an office lady, what we would call an office girl. And she looked absolutely fucking awful. I mean, big change from when she was at university where she looked really uh, young and cute and really shaggable. But she looked fucking awful. And She'd obviously, what it is, a lot of these Japanese companies, they just suck the lifeblood out of their staff. And um, she looked weathered. I mean, she, was, she couldn't have been more than 23 or 4 years old. No, no, not even that. She was like 23 years old or something. And she, she had really, um, she looked awful. And she was with a woman, I suspect... Could have even been her mother. I don't know. She was with a woman that was around what I would imagine to be her mother's age. And um, I don't know whether they noticed me, but I didn't notice them at first because generally people don't make eye contact much. Very rare to make eye contact on trains in Japan, on public transport. So whether or not they did notice me and they didn't say anything or, or, or whether they didn't notice me, I don't know. Um, if they had noticed me, they'd obviously calmed down and um, decided not to have a go in public. Um, the Japanese are very keen to avoid confrontation in public places. So I realised um, that uh, it was her and she, she'd really uh, changed. She really looked um, terrible and I think she was just weathered, beaten down by the... Uh, the Japanese work culture that just, as I said, it just takes it out of you. But uh, anyway, maybe I don't know whether I got the last laugh. I wouldn't say a laugh, but um, I sort of felt, uh, well, I felt I didn't feel any sympathy for her. And I thought, well, uh, if she is suffering, she looked she looked like she was suffering. Then um, maybe that was some karma. I don't know. And uh, certainly when my contract was, I was told they weren't going to renew it, that was really the the kind of decider for me 
whether to uh, start my own business and I, I did indeed start my own business and I did pretty well from that so uh, every cloud has a silver lining as they say and um, my life in some respects got better certainly my work, work got better because I was working for myself and earning more money um, but obviously there were other things going on which I've talked about in previous podcasts and I will talk about more um, and you know if you want to come to if you're planning on coming to Japan do not stay more than a year that would be my advice if you really have to come here and if you do come to Japan only come here as a single man and stay one year at the most and make sure you leave Japan as a single man whatever you do do not get involved with a Japanese women, they'll wreck your fucking life. So they are fantastic girlfriends, but they are terrible wives, awful wives. So, yeah, if you come to Japan, if you must do it, come here as a single man, stay no more than a year, and leave as a single man. This has been the X and Y podcast.